Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. The Lord be with you. On a personal note, I'd like to thank uh, members of the church for your prayers the last couple of days as I uh, underwent some modified eject- injections of, in my back. I, I thank you for your prayers. I, I think things are going to be fine. I just have to be patient, which is not in my nature. So, um, as I started this sermon uh, today, <laughs> it was, it's been a tough week. I was stuck in my head yesterday with a song that's went, went through my mind and I couldn't get it out of my mind. And so I looked it up again and found out what it was and I could understand why. 64 years ago, there was a British romantic comedy that swept across Europe and the United States. The film was titled Alfie. Only those of us over 50 probably even know that. Uh, Alfie, of course, is a surname in, in Britain for the, the name Alfred. The leading man was a very young, handsome British actor by the name of Michael Caine. For those of you younger than 40, you probably remember him as uh, the same character, a very older person in he played the butler role in the Batman movies that had been uh, appearing on film for the last couple of, last decade or so. The younger generation, only they could understand that. This goes way back. Tonight I call your attention to that movie classic, not because of the actors involved in it or the fact that it was a British film, its location. I call your attention to because of the musical score. The hottest singer in the United States at that time was a beautiful singer by the name of Dionne Warwick. Absolutely beautiful gospel singer. She sang the score, the title of which is, What's It All About Alfie? It went to the top of the charts everywhere, and it was sung for many years, and you can pick up that tune today if you're old enough to remember it. I want to take a moment to read you the lyrics for that score, as it has some relevance, I believe, to the season of our current worship services. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to sing this whole thing, so you can sit down and relax. It won't be screeching like chalk on the chalkboard. I will tell you that the first line of it, so you can hear if you ever remember this. What's it all about, Alfie? That's, that's all I'm going to say. Is it just for the moment we live? What's it all about when you sort it out, Alfie? Are we meant to take more than we give? Or are we meant to be kind? And if only fools are kind, Alfie, then I guess it's wise to be cruel. And if if life belongs only to the strong, Alfie, what will you lend on an old golden rule? As sure as I believe there's a heaven above, Alfie, I know there's something much more. Something even non-believers can believe in. I believe in love, Alfie. Without true love, we just exist, Alfie. Until you find the love you've missed, you're nothing. When you walk, then, let your heart lead the way, and you'll find love any day, Alfie. What a beautiful, beautiful song. Unfortunately, it doesn't fit well in the cycle of the 2010-2020 era. It's not a whole lot of that 
happiness out there in the world today. Today, more and more people have fallen or in some cases willingly jumped on board the notion that there are only two seasons of any importance at the end of the calendar year, Thanksgiving and Christmas. To try to squeeze any other organized activity that takes more than a day or two into between those two events would be met with very stiff resistance from retailers looking to make all of their year's profits in that small 30-day time frame. And that's even more protracted now in light of the trauma of the pandemic that has businesses closing down, eating establishments being shut down, you have to eat outside and then socially distance and all the crazy things that are going on. Still, there's an inconvenient truth that exists that just won't go away. No matter how many lights and decorations go up before Christmas, or how many days a store can tell you that it's Black Friday. It's the season that those of us who call ourselves Christians, between the bookends, that season is called Advent. I get asked a lot, what is Advent? I even have some people, when asked about Advent, say we don't do Advent. The season of Advent, it seems, is not really thought about very much, let alone understood. And sadly, that holds true for many who believe themselves to be Christian. So tonight I'm going to borrow from that 1966 musical score, and I want to explain what's it all about. Advent, not Alfie. Advent, like Lent, is traditionally a time of increased prayer, of fasting, of almsgiving, and of Bible reading. The church doesn't do these things because we need to prove anything to God or to give His attention. We do these things because we need to train both our minds and our flesh. We are training to resist temptations, And we are training for the times of persecution right now and in the future. You can't do that training while you're shopping in the mall or wrapping gifts. But what's it all about, Advent? It's about drawing nearer to Christ as he draws nearer to you. The gospel lesson for tonight gives us a perfect example of what Advent is all about. But it's not what you might think it should be. And perhaps that's where the confusion comes in for some about Advent. But in Mark's gospel lesson for tonight, Jesus draws near to us, doesn't he? But it's not as we remember and hear of in his nativity, because we're not there yet. On the contrary, tonight we remember and hear of Christ drawing near at Palm Sunday. His grand entrance. The procession that is so grand and six days leads to a grisly death on the cross. That's what we're treated to tonight. But that's what Advent is all about. Don't be confused or distracted by the exterior things of this big approaching behemoth that we call Christmas. Let us not sit back with leftover turkey in our filled stomachs and stuffing and pumpkin pies, storing up energy for an all-out assault assault on stores and grocery stores and malls this week for Christmas shopping over the next 20 days. 
Instead, let's hear all about what Advent is. We can hear it in the throngs of voices. Cloaks thrown to the road. Palm branches waving. Thousands lining the road to Jerusalem. Joyfully shouting their praises. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. That's what Advent is about. That's what Christmas is all about. In fact, that's what the entire Christian faith is all about. The world will get worked up over the next 20 days as excitement builds towards Christmas. You can count on it. What Advent and Christmas are really all about are going to be relegated to a subordinate position on the family's to-do list. That most important thing, that only important thing, will have to compete with our attention to fleshy details, like ornaments and trees, cookies and eggnog and parties and Scrooge and Tiny Tim and Charlie Brown and that gaudy Beyonce Christmas special. Or the 100th Lifetime Movie Channel Christmas Story with the same dang plot. Just different names. Be honest with yourself. Jesus Christ, God himself, drew near to you. Took on flesh for the sole purpose of taking that flesh to the cross. As an all-redeeming sacrifice for your sins. God humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. He willingly took your place. He suffered your justly deserved divine wrath so that you would not have to experience one single fragment of it in your life. In the flesh, he gave up all his heavenly majesty in order to keep his promise of salvation for you. And in our fleshiness, do we honestly, truly, can we say we put him first in our life? This man who put you first in your life? Right here, in the first gospel of Advent, our minds and flesh are being trained to resist the temptations that surely await us each day between now and Christmas. And at the same time, we're being trained to be prepared for that time of persecution at the time that is still before us when Christ returns in glory to judge the world and all its people where we too will have to give an account of our lives. In the coming midweeks of Advent, we're going to recall other important moments in the life of Jesus. That's what Advent is all about. We're going to hear about Jesus being prepared. We're being prepared. Not for shopping, but for being faithful followers. We'll look at the messenger of Jesus, John the Baptist, who called in the wilderness for people to prepare the way of the Lord. We'll hear from the Apostle John who breaks down for us the breadth of the plan of Jesus to draw near to us from before time began. As John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and it was with Him in the beginning. 
These are the important events that lead us up to Christmas. Then, on that day, when our Lord draws nearer to us than ever before, coming in flesh, lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths, that's what Advent is all about. So how do you get close to Advent unless you really know what it means, unless you're in tune with what it means, unless you understand and are drawn because of what it means? How do you observe it most appropriately, most intimately, most assuredly closer to the Lord than you can in any other place? How do you do that? Right here. Those of you who are looking on stream and streaming live tonight, we are so grateful that you have found an avenue to worship and to be closer to God. Here, though, is where that truly is. Look at the baptismal font. Look at the chancel rail. Lay your eyes on the altar. Look at the lighted cross above and behind it. Gaze on the pulpit and the lectern. Hear the music from the organ. Hear the voices of the faithful. Here are the most important things in the midst of all the dysfunction and fear, the despair and depression, the dismay and the uncertainty of our time. Here we come nearer to Christ even as he draws nearer to us. Here he brings his free, unmerited gifts of grace and mercy and peace. Is there anything more important in your life than these things? If there is, think again. This man presently comes to you and draws you to you by means of his word and his sacraments. Here is Christ. And just like on that first Palm Sunday, it's not exactly a big and glorious event filled with royal pomp and circumstance. He's riding in on a donkey for crying out loud. There's no royal procession. There's no chariots, no war horses. The welcoming committee isn't a delegation of the best and the brightest. There's no one important in that crowd. And it's no different here, those of you at home, than it is right here today. There's no royal fanfare here. The, devin, the heavens don't rend. The earth doesn't quake. The lights don't flicker. The only thing wrong is the sound system goes crazy every few minutes. That's not very impressive, is it? I'm wondering if that is why it becomes so easy for people to stay away from church these days. Is it just because it doesn't seem all that important anymore? These veiled means of Christ himself aren't enough to get people out of bed, up from out of their phones or the other devices they use that they believe are more important? Consider for a moment, if you will, how many people put on masks, go out into the public day in these next 23 days to shop at stores, in the malls, eat out, attend parties, be around any number of people, not socially distant. 
How many people will put on those masks and brave some kind of perceived danger to get their hands on a latte or a Chick-fil-A sandwich? Or that last roll of toilet paper? And yet, taking the same precautions in order to come and be in the presence of Christ to receive his good gifts from his almighty hand, that's out of the question? Please don't hear this the wrong way. Do not take offense to that. I care about your health and your welfare. Physically and spiritually. I know there are so many conflicting and competing stories out there to determine relative risks and data that is so confusing it's difficult to decide how to proceed. What is true? What is not? I see the stuff every day. I feel the same way. I don't know the truth about all that is going on in the surroundings in this pandemic. I do not know. I do, though, know this truth. And you do, too. Maybe you just need to be reminded of it. Here is Christ. Right here in the key is the King of Kings. Angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. Here is your salvation, yours and mine. In our midst, executing his justice and righteousness, making us holy and righteous in his sight. By faith we know this, but are we acting it out? And if we are not acting out our faith, where is our faith? It's like the elf on the shelf. But we also know that this is not the end of the story. Here's the other important part of Advent that is so often ignored. We know that Christ will return again in glory and might, don't we? But when will that be? That we don't know. Does that drive us away from church, though? Nobody but the Father knows. That's why Paul urges Christians in Rome and anyone who has ears to let them hear. He basically says, wake up, people. Paul speaks with a tremendous sense of urgency. Salvation is nearer to us than we now, than we ever first believed. The day is at hand. This is why we set aside this little time, just a few weeks before Christmas, for reflection and repentance, for reorienting ourselves to the most important thing in life the true and real reality and source of our salvation, the remembrance that our forgiveness came at a price so high and a sacrifice none of us could make. So no, we're not singing joyous Christmas carols yet. It's not time. Jesus came to this earth for us and for our sins. The least we can do is not forget that. Or look past this Advent and too far forward to Christmas. 
Let this fact not get ground out in premature Christian celebrations or buried beneath the impatient Walmart sense of joy and peace or suffocate under fears of masks and germs and a mass toilet paper storage shortage. Jesus suffered and died for you and your sin. So we should use this brief time that you have between these days. When everybody else is doing everything different, you should be here. Get your priorities straight. Your perspectives rightly focused on the only true important thing in your life. More important than anything else. And even in this penitential time, we could still have joy. Look around you. We're not in somber lockdown here. We still have every reason to celebrate and give thanks today. Everyone here is perfectly socially distant. I haven't had a droplet go six feet. I'm following them, too. If I ever cough, I'm looking at them. I'm taking measure of them. I've got somebody measuring with a measuring tape. How far did that droplet go? We have every reason to celebrate and give thanks today because we can consider all the ways God and the Lord still comes into our midst every single day, lowly, humble, common ways to give you grace and mercy and peace through his word, through the water, through the bread, through the wine. He doesn't come to you with blazing saddles and war horses and trumpets blaring or even Christmas carols blasting. He comes to you, as he will do in just a few minutes, in, with, and under those earthly, lowly elements. But he comes to you here. Take and eat. Take and drink. This is my body. This is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. How can your faith not rejoice in that Christological truth? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes to us in the name of the Lord. This is the first midweek in Advent. How can you start getting on board, my friends, here and out there? How can you begin to get closer to God in this season? Here's one way to get into the spirit of Advent season. We're already a couple of days behind, so starting tomorrow, I want you to read the first three chapters of the Gospel of St. Luke. For those of you in Del Rio, that's the Holy Bible. There are 24 chapters, each following day one, reading the three chapters, read one chapter a day, and you will be reading chapter 24 on Christmas Eve, and you can go to bed that night, and when you wake up in the morning, you will have read the entire account of Jesus' life, and when you wake up on Christmas morning, you will do so knowing who you are and why you celebrate Christmas. So I'm going to paraphrase my Alfie song for just a little bit here at the end. What's it all about? Advent. It's not just for the moment we live. 
What's it all about when you sort it out, Advent? We're not meant to take more than we give. We are meant to be kind. What's it all about, Advent? It's a time to draw closer to God, a time to take stock of your faith. Advent reminds us that there's so much more than here and now. And as sure as we believe there's a heaven above, at Advent we see it clearly in the love of Christ. So I invite you to come and experience the personal presence of the Lord in his house this Advent season while there's still time. Come, join us. Amen.